a new year. And what are your plans? Dare make any resolutions at the start of 2024? Of course, if I gave you a quiz and asked your top resolution for this new year, odds are on my side that fitness or losing weight would again be number one. Twenty twenty four, and what are the trends? The venerable Forbes Business Magazine released a list of global trends for this new year. Two words for the world economy, fast and furious. Who's ready for elections? Not just a presidential race in the United States. 40 national elections set to unfold. 41% of the global population. Medical care set to become more personal with artificial intelligence. In new ways, the world will be on edge, maybe even a precipice. Number one resolution, still fitness and losing weight. But if you know Christ, join me for something better. Read God's Word with me cover to cover. Come to our website and find out more. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And as we begin a new year together, we're also starting a new series called Christ and All the Scriptures. Our title comes from a special book we are releasing this week with not just a plan to read the Bible with me in a year, but meditations showing how to read the Bible through the Jesus lens, how to find Christ from beginning to end. In these next minutes together, we'll share what I consider to be the most important chapter in all God's Word. It's the foundation of how to read all the Bible. And this teaching is not new. It's not unique. It's not from just me. Jesus will be sharing his approach. So after the program, I'd like to send you a copy of a Haven original book. It's called Christ in All the Scriptures, Reading and Praying Through the Bible in a Year. It's an easy-to-navigate, hardback book that contains overviews of every book in the Bible and prayers centered on every reading. I want to challenge you to make 2024 the year you read and pray through God's Word, maybe for the first time. And this book will help you do just that while finding Jesus on every page through God's Word. Now, I know it'll help you draw nearer to your Savior as you engage with Him through the Word all year long. So, for your first of the year gift to Haven today, we'll get you this Christ in all the Scriptures. And after the program, just visit us and download a sample chapter. Make your gift there, haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. Or call us at 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. Now let's open this Haven today with a version of a classic song that leads us to Jesus. Oh, I once held Built my life upon All this world reveals And wars to own All I once thought gain I have counted loss Spent and worthless now Compared to
album the very best of graham kendrick knowing you jesus you're in a haven today called christ in all the scriptures i'm charles morris christmas is over once again and of course a new year has begun dr luke said at the beginning of his gospel that salvation is a mighty reversal the story of the bible is the story of god turning all things right side up of re-establishing his purposes of blessing And Jesus Christ comes to this world to bring a new world, a different kingdom, a new creation. And of all reversals we see in Luke's gospel, the one greatest reversal is the resurrection after his birth at the beginning of Luke. And that's why when we reach chapter 24, which I believe is the most significant chapter for a Christian in all the Bible, it is just so strange. I know it's familiar if you've been a Christian any amount of time. It may not feel like this, but as we read through Luke's gospel, 
chapter 24 is completely alien. It goes in a completely different way than what one would expect. Let me give you an example. Only four chapters earlier, chapter 20, Jesus spent more than half a chapter speaking about what the resurrection would be like and what it would mean. It means that he would be raised to become Lord of all. There's none of that in chapter 24. The resurrection isn't described. All we find are the women carrying spices to the tomb as it opens, and we find confused disciples who don't believe, and then those two appearances of the risen Christ. And I don't know about you, but I feel that as you read through Luke, we come to this section expecting something much different. I feel like one of the women carrying spices to the tomb. I feel like Cleopas and his friend walking away from Jerusalem. Think about it this way. Luke 24 all happens in a single day, that first Easter day. Three major events described for us that day. But we know from volume two, written also by Dr. Luke, the book of Acts, that Jesus appeared for 40 days, giving many proofs to many disciples. But here only three of those incidents are recorded, and Jesus only appeared in two. Now there's no hoopla. There's no fanfare. There are no lights, action, camera. The whole emphasis seems to be moving in a different direction. The problem that Luke 24 addresses is that our hearts are cold and we are slow to believe. Now, the first scene shows up in verses 1 to 11. You read this story and you realize that the first Christians would never have made up this story about the resurrection. There are the women who go to the tomb expecting to find a dead body. And they've prepared all these spices, but they are completely unprepared for what happens next. The tomb was empty. And to add terror to their confusion, two angels showed up, and they made this demand. Let me put it in modern-day English. Why on earth are you looking for the living one among all these dead ones? What do you think you're doing? Now, these are the angels that appeared at the beginning of Luke's gospel. And they were not happy here. You're hearing a rebuke from them. From heaven's perspective, the money and time the women had spent on spices was a complete waste. The angels said to the women, Why are you looking for the living one among the dead ones? And the point was, he wasn't just a dead man. He was the son of the Most High God. Remember the echoes out of Luke chapter 1? He will sit on the throne of his father David forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. We just heard that at Christmas time. Jesus traveled to death and came out on the other side. He's gone down into the dark, deepest prison, and yet he overwhelms death itself. And as the risen Christ says, Fear not, I am the first, I am the last, I am the living one, the permanently living one. I died. Look at me, he says. I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and hell. Now, we could just stop right there. We could spend a long time and just think about hope for a person laying on their deathbed, struggling to breathe their final breath, to know that Jesus is the living one who holds the keys of death and hell and changes everything. It means that when we die, it is Christ with whom we have to deal either as our Savior or as our judge. 
His resurrection is relevant to every single human being, whether you believe in the resurrection or not. And the fact that he has died and walked through death and was raised to life again means that he is able to walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death because he has been to the end and back. And it means that as you and I experience death, Christ himself will come by our side and hold our hand. And we need not fear any, any evil. There is so much to say about this, but I have to move on. Why are the angels so shocked? Luke 24, verse 6. Remember how Jesus told you while he was still in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And they remembered Jesus' words. The angels were shocked because the women had the words of Jesus They had just forgotten them. They had the words of Jesus, but they hadn't let the word of Jesus enter their hearts. They'd come to the tomb, overwhelmed with their own needs and sorrow, grief, and they had missed the plain teaching of their Lord. And so much of what we do today is just embalm dead bodies, but forget the plain words of Jesus. We must go back to his words. We must believe his words. Otherwise, we're never going to make sense of ourselves or what God is doing. And heaven knows, and the angels speak for heaven here, that every word of Jesus Christ is the eternal truth from God. Jesus himself said it, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead means that every one of his words proves true. Just remember, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than ninety-nine righteous who need no repentance. You cannot serve God and money. I've come to call not the righteous but sinners to repentance. The way in which we come to meet the risen Christ is by remembering his words. The resurrection means that he is the living one. And the great reversal has begun. Well then, there is the second part of this most significant Luke 24, starting at verse 13. Here we see Jesus as the Redeemer. This is a story full of beauty and yet full of irony. Cleopas and a fellow disciple are on a pilgrimage. Listen to the passage as read to us by the British actor David Suchet. Now that same day, Two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. 
They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. A Jewish believer in Jesus, David Suchet in London. Did you catch what David was reading? The disciples' pilgrimage to Emmaus was the wrong way. They were walking away from Jerusalem. Since chapter 9 in Luke's Gospel, we've been on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And now as they walked the seven miles away from Jerusalem, they were confused, disappointed, even disillusioned. And the reason they were was because Jesus had not lived up to their expectations, which means their expectations were wrong. And as they walked, Jesus himself joined them in verse 15. And he asked them what they were talking about. They didn't recognize him, not because he was a ghost and you could see through his body, but because of their own spiritual blindness and slowness of heart to believe. We just heard him say, what are you talking about? And Cleopas responded in verse 18, you must be the only person in all Jerusalem who doesn't know what's going on. It was a great moment. You want to just call out Cleopas. It's Jesus. Can't you recognize him? Well, then in verse 19 onwards, we get the gospel according to Cleopas. And he's got a good handle on Jesus's miracles but it's when he comes to the crucifixion of Christ that his disappointment sets in. Verse 21, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel, but because he died, he cannot do it. Now, this is very important. The great barrier and blockage to their faith was not the resurrection. It was the death of Jesus on the cross. What stopped them from believing was not that they couldn't conceive of a resurrection, but that the brutal death of Jesus did not fit their expectation of what a Messiah ought to do. Messiahs take over, and they rule. Rejection, death, and failure is an end of redemption. They knew that a Messiah ought to be glorious, that he ought to rule, 
and that probably meant, they thought at least, evicting the Romans from their land. But watching Jesus be rejected, tortured, and die forms no part of their understanding of the Christ. Luke twenty four twenty five, Jesus saying to them, O oh, foolish men, slow of heart to believe all the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into glory? To which Cleopas and his friend would say, No, that's not the way redemption ought to work. We need someone to come along and fix these things right now, not to die. We need someone to get rid of the suffering. What is so impossible for them to get their hearts and their heads around is not that the Christ should enter his glory, but that he should suffer these things in order to enter into his glory. The very things that have brought redemption are the things they think are impossible for redemption to come about. Jesus himself, in this scene on the road to Emmaus, explained how all the Bible was all about him. But let me explain. They only had the Hebrew Bible. The New Testament was yet to be written. What was Jesus teaching from what Christians called the Old Testament? Well, they knew, and we should understand, the Hebrew Bible is organized into three main sections— the Torah, or the teaching, which is also called the Pentateuch, or the five books of Moses, the Nevi'im, the prophets, and the Ketuvim, or the writings. It is often referred to as the Tanakh, a Hebrew word combining the first letter from the names of each of the three main divisions. Clearly, Jesus was referring to all three sections, all the Tanakh, in the explanation he gives in Luke 24 on the road to Emmaus, and later that night in the upper room. You and I need to be able to say to each other that we suffer from the exact same hardness of heart as those first Easter disciples. We like the way we set the world up. We don't mind redemption and renewal of all the world as long as it doesn't involve repentance and suffering. The cross tells us that we can't save ourselves. All the things we're frantically trying to fix cannot save us. Even after we are born again, we frequently want a Christian life without suffering. We want to join Cleopas and his friend and walk away from Jerusalem. But the cross of Jesus shows once and for all that God's agenda is not our agenda. God's agenda is to liberate us from the devil and sin and death. So this new year, read all the Bible through the Jesus lens with me. And just as important, we need Christ to come alongside us in our walk of life. For Christ is our all in all. This is Haven Today, and the first day in a series called Christ and All the Scriptures. Well, I mentioned two parts to Luke 24, and we looked at those two in the last few minutes. Come back tomorrow, and we'll look at part three. And as we get started in this new year together, I hope, like me, you want to draw closer to Jesus. 
And one way you can do that is not just by reading God's Word, but by by studying God's Word and finding Christ in all the Scripture and all of God's Word, and then relating through prayer and meditation. And that's why we've created this new book called Christ in All the Scriptures, Reading and Praying Through the Bible. It's a hardback book. We designed it so it lays flat. You can write notes on the side, do your Bible reading, read the meditation and the prayers that we've put in there, and take this year to actually read through God's Word and meet up more with Jesus. Would you do that with me this year? You just need to make your first gift of the year by going to haventoday.org, haventoday.org. Look at the sample that we've put up there out of the book and make your gift. Ask for it, Christ in all the scriptures, or call us right now at 800 65 Haven, 865 Haven. And if you didn't already, we still have our 2024 calendar celebrating 90 years of ministry. You can get that from us for your gift as well. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Come back again tomorrow, won't you? When together again, we'll share the great story, the story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. For your walk with Jesus, I'm David Wolin with Haven Today, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Whenever you enter a new year, you begin to see posts on social media along the lines of, New Year, New Me. For whatever the reason, we often think healthy habits can wait, don't we? At least until January. Does Scripture agree with this impulse within us that it's okay to wait, okay to hold on to sin just a little longer? Well, the Apostle Paul wrote, Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. As a Christian, you're a new person in Christ already, so put off the old self and put on the new self. Grow in your walk with Christ. Visit GetAnchor.com.